Are we live now? Ladies and gentlemen, Terry Adams. <laughs> he had to do that the first service. So. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe, for giving us this Sunday to emphasize marriage. In your worship guide today, you should see a, a little card. It uh, looks like this. It's um, a card that tells a little bit about what our marriage ministry does and how it operates in our church. And so uh, we have a response. We would love for you to fill that out. If you would are interested in our um, marriage mentoring, we have uh, trained couples here in our church that helps couples uh, to strengthen their marriage, help their marriage. Um, but, but if you're interested in that, would you check that? We also offer a marriage class. It starts next Sunday at 1045. If you'd be interested in that marriage class, you can also check that. But if you're interested in premarital counseling, we offer that as well. Once again, these are the ministries that your church offers, and uh, we look forward to doing that. I want to emphasize that um, don't wait till your marriage is in crisis. Uh, do something now that helps build your marriage up. You don't fix the roof when it's raining. You fix your roof when the sun's out. And so give marriage your time and your attention, and it will be stronger and better. Today we're blessed to have Jim and Carol Shores with us today. The Shores uh, teach at uh, Asbury University, but they also travel the country and do marriage conferences, marriage events. They're with us today. They'll be with us today at 4.30 to 7.30 in the Christian Life Center. Uh, we are still signing people up as we speak. If you're interested in attending this, this um, marriage event, uh, the Shores are going to be with us, and they're going to actually do a sketch this morning. Uh, they use comedy and theater to teach, and that's what they'll be doing tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, the power of our words. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. We're going to be talking about communication, how to talk with each other. Uh, but if you'd be interested in that, we are allowing you to sign up today. That, of course, is out in our lobby to our left. I feel like I do need to have a disclaimer on my message today because I realize there are people in here who are single or you're not married yet or you may may be a widow. And I want to say to you that this, is, this message in no way diminishes uh, what God has on your life, your calling, and what God has for you. My message today I've titled, Marriage Matters to God. And I think all of us, uh, when we're growing up, we're, we all have our ambitions. Uh, when we go off to college, we want to find uh, that special mate. It's like the 18-year-old college freshman who wrote in her diary, I know what I want in a man. So I began looking for my knight in shining armor on a white horse. At the beginning of my sophomore year, I realized the color of the horse was not that important. And when my junior year rolled around, I thought, who needs armor? It's only going to get rusty. So as a senior in college with, no limit, uh, with very limited prospects, I decided, just take the horse. And as Dr. Joe says, that's when the fight started. No, just kidding. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but marriage is the oldest institution in the world. Marriage started in the Garden of Eden. And God gave us marriage. And what I am here to share with you this morning 
is that since God gave us marriage, he expects the church to stand for it and to support it. Marriage is made by God and for God. And so in your worship guide, if you'd like to follow me with me along today, I want to share some things with you that I think matters to God. See, the first thing I think that matters to God, uh, why marriage matters to God, is that God is going to be involved in marriage. In my discipleship group that meets every Tuesday, we're reading through the Old Testament this year. And we came across a story that I, that is, I was so intrigued by it because it involves the, the Israelites and the Philistines. And as you know, in most of the Old Testament, there's just a lot of fighting going on between the Israelites and the Philistines. And because Israel is, is God's chosen people, God gets involved. And so if you have your Bibles with me this morning, they'll be up on the screen. I want to read a passage of scripture that I thought was very interesting. It says in 1 Samuel 7, 7, when the Philistines heard that Israel had assembled at Mitzvah, the rulers of the Philistines came up to attack them. And when the Israelites heard of it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And they said to Samuel, do not stop crying out to the Lord, our God for us, that he may rescue us from the hands of the Philistines. Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and he sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And he cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. In the Amplified Bible and in the New Living Translation, here's what it says. It says, Then the Lord thundered with a great voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. Now, I don't know about you, but when I start reading God's Word, I start thinking about what I'm reading. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world, what would God say <laughs> say uh, that day to these Philistines to cause them so much panic? And then I, I, I began thinking, Maybe God has a sense of humor. And uh, maybe God just wants to have some fun. You know, it's, it's nothing better than, than uh, introducing somebody to something that they don't believe in or they don't uh, uh, have any confidence in. And I don't know. I just started thinking about what would God say. And, and here's what I think God said that day. I, I think God just leaned over, got real close to those Philistines, and he said, boo. <laughs> and I think they just freaked out. They didn't know what to do. And the, the Bible says they turned on each other. And the Israelites, they're just sitting back watching them destroy each other. They were like, they were just picking them off. It was, it was, it was too easy of a battle. You say, well, Barry, that's an odd story to talk about marriage. No, it's not. Because here's the principle. When God is involved in something, it is going to succeed. His plans are going to come true. And here's the principle. Since marriage is made by God, God is involved. God was involved in Israel, the Israel's battle and the Israelites won. Why did they win? 
Well, it goes back to the next verse of Scripture. If you can look up, uh, what, let me see, what, 1 Samuel 7, 4, there's a prerequisite here. <laughs> we miss this so often. He asked the Israelites to put away their bales and asterisks and to serve the Lord only. In other words, there's a prerequisite there that, that you've got to do something to get on the side of God. What is it? Is you've got to let God help you. You've got to put away those other gods. In fact, the Israelites said, do not stop crying out to the Lord our God for us that he may rescue us from the hands of the Philistines. If you are a wife here today and you are married, here's what I, I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to cry out to God every day that he may rescue you from the enemy, the devil, and that you would pray that you have eyes for your husband only, that you will not fall into temptation and lust and sin and distraction, that you will take your vows seriously and that you will remain faithful to your husband. Men, if you're here today and you're married, I'm going to ask you to, to not stop crying out to God on behalf of your spouse. That you will pray that you will have eyes for your wife only. That you will not fall into temptation, lust, sin, pornography. That you would remain faithful to God. That you would take your vows seriously. The Israelites had to put away they're idols of Baal. Listen to me this morning. God will ask you to do the same. You see, a lot of people, they want marriage, but they don't want God of marriage. They don't want the God of marriage. We will have to do the same. I love Proverbs eighteen twenty-two. Notice what it says. He who finds a wife finds what is good. It is a good thing when you find a wife. Amen? Or oh me. <laughs> but watch what it says. When, we find a, when, when a man finds a wife, he receives favor from the Lord. You see, the word favor here means a blessing. It means God is for that. If you've ever wanted to be blessed by God, then find a mate. God is involved in that. See, it's not a matter of if I am going to be blessed in my marriage. It's when and how much. That's what, that's what God thinks about marriage. He loves it. And he came up with this idea. And see, that's what I like about being a God follower is I have help. See, what most of us are trying to do, we're trying to do it all on our own. And listen, there is no one big enough or bad enough to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. But you're trying to. And that's why you're failing. We fail miserably when we try to be, what, independent of God. The second thing that I think matters to God is that God gave marriage for the connection of men and women. You see, in 1 Corinthians 11, 11, it says, In God's plan, men and women need each other. Notice what it says in verse 11. Nevertheless, in the Lord, women 
Woman is not independent of man, nor man independent of woman. Look at what it says in Mark 10, 6. God's plan from the very beginning of creation, he made male and he made female. He didn't make hebes and shebes. He made what? Male and female. And God chose what he wanted you and I to be. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and he is joined to his wife and those two become one. And then he says, no one should separate them. For who joined them together? God. The reason that you and I have such an enemy against marriage, the devil, is because the devil wants to destroy the very thing that God is for. And the best way that he can do that is to separate man and woman because that's God's plan. And he hates God. And so why do you think that you and I are any different? We are, we are, we are just going to be, what, an easy target. See, what marriage is, marriage is a lifelong course in learning to be unselfish. Because once I get married, I can no longer think. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm supposed to say something else. Oh, I, I can no longer think for myself. Wait, that's not it. Oh, I can no longer think about me. That's what I'm supposed to say. You see, I've got to think about we. But we have made, the culture that we live in has made it about individualism. About self. We, we don't value marriage. We, we don't value family. We've made individualism an idol. In other words, I don't need anybody. I am my own boss. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I, I never get the story of a pastor telling about a family that they reached out to. They joined their church and they went to visit them. And they were trying to get this family involved in the, in the ministries of their church. And this family was like, oh, well, no, we, we, don't, we don't need any help. We've got it all together. We, you know, you know, what, what do we need the church for? But then life happens. See, today you may be, listen, life may be just great for you. I mean, there's no problems in your life at all. Just life is just, you're just coasting. It's wonderful. It's great. It's fantastic. But listen, I'm going to tell you something that's coming. It's called a storm. And that storm is going to be so big, you're going to wish you had some help and some friends and some support, just like this family experienced. They experienced what? Divorce. They experienced sickness. They had bills. They were devastated. They had family dynamics and family issues. And then watch this. And the very family who said, we don't need the church, are now the same family complaining about the church and how the church is not doing anything to help. But you said you didn't need us. Friend, Everyone needs help. 
And you need to gather all the resources you can to help you succeed. That's why the church is a place of help. We're, we're really a hospital. <laughs> we're really a place where people come who need help, who need support. I love Proverbs fourteen thirty four. I love this verse. Righteousness. Stop right there. Righteousness means right living. It means doing it God's way. Righteousness, doing it God's way, exalts a nation. But watch this. But sin, not doing it God's way, condemns any people. My version, one of my versions says, brings disgrace to a society. We're trying to change what God says is, is his creation. You see, what really matters is what God says, not what the world says. The world is so messed up. Uh, I, love, I love this guy. It's so hilarious. It says, we're trying to let the government take over things, and the government can't even stop telemarketers. How many of you get three or four calls a day from somebody you don't even know who they are? I get them and I'm like, who's calling me from California? I don't know anybody in California, but apparently I'm getting calls. So the third thing that I want you to know that marriage matters to God is this. (laughs) Marriage is not going to be perfect. I know on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, people post, man... They just have the life, don't they? Everybody's traveling, everybody's eating out, everybody's going here, going there, and you and I are sitting at home going, man, they got the life, don't they? I don't have the money or the time, but they're having the ball. See, God created man and he created woman, and he put them in a perfect environment. He told them what to do and what not to do, what to eat and what not to eat. And guess what? Even in the most perfect situation, what did they do? <laughs> I love Dr. Joe. He says they stunk it up. I mean, they just, they just, <laughs> just tell them like it is, Pastor. They just blew it. They made a wrong decision, didn't they? And it had devastating consequences. And listen, it's the same for us. We're, we're not going to have the perfect marriage because you take one sinner, put them with another sinner, they just become a bigger sinner. But why this morning is your marriage not perfect? I want to tell you why. We can't communicate. And it all started in the Garden of Eden when, when, when Adam has the moment in history where he should open up his mouth and say something to Eve about not eating the fruit that God said not to eat. What did Adam do? He what? He did nothing. He went silent. He had lockjaw. And the Bible says he was standing right next to her and she's just going, this apple is delicious. I just think it's fantastic. We can't communicate like the story I heard the other day about there's now a new hotline for atheists. The only problem is you call and no one answers. 
<laughs> it's kind of like marriage, isn't it? We really don't know how to talk to each other after we're married. Now, before we got married, you couldn't shut each other up. Am I right? You could talk on that phone for hours about nothing. But then life happens, doesn't it? Bills, babies, budgets, butts. It all comes together. And, and what happens? We stop communicating. We stop talking. The demands of life and we got all these to-dos and we stop talking to each other. And we communicate in code. In fact, here's how I say it. What I say is not what you hear. And what you hear and what you think you heard is not what I meant at all. Am I speaking to someone out there? A woman goes into her closet, says, I have nothing to wear. What she means is, I have nothing new to wear. A man goes in his closet, walks in, says, I have nothing to wear. He means, I have nothing clean to wear. The reason our marriage is not perfect, we can't communicate, nor can we, what? Hit the target. We can't hit the target because we don't know what the target is. In our marriage mentoring, we try to help couples hit the target. It's so hard for us for some strange reason that men can't tell their wife what they need or what they want. And women can't tell their husbands what they need need and what they want. And so what we basically try to do, we try to hit 15 targets and we do nothing but spray the bullets and we don't hit anything. And so we're not helping meet each other's needs. We're not saying what we really want to say. And while that's hard, I don't understand it. Maybe it goes back to the Garden of Eden. But I think I, I, I've shared this with, with, with my wife a hundred times. Is honey, I don't really know how to say this. I don't really know how to say that. But guess what? I can learn. I can learn. It's just like <laughs> I shared this in the first hour. I'll share it with you. When I was growing up, sitting at the lunch table with my family, my dad did something that I thought was just awesome. He would get down to the end of his iced tea glass. And when his, when his uh, tea would get empty, he would do this right here. He'd go. You might know what I'm, what I'm talking about. Now that was code to my, to my mom who knew that his tea was empty. That was her job to get up, get the tea, and pour him a new glass. I went, that is so cool. <laughs> when I get married, I am going to do that myself. <laughs> so, uh, so I get married. I know it's Rocky Mountain, Virginia. We're, we're out in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm sitting at the table with my, 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 my wife here and I get to the bottom of my, my glass and I do that, I do that, uh, Diane looks at me and goes, you okay? So I said, well, she's not understanding what I need. And so I said, I did it again. I went, 
You need something? So me, I go, I go getting defensive. Well, I, I thought that you'd know what that means. She says, what does it mean? I said, my tea is empty. Well, the tea's right there on the table. Help yourself. <laughs> and then being the good wife, she said, would you like for me to pour you some tea? Yes, ma'am. Gosh, how hard is this? You don't get that, do you? Once again, we communicate in code. How many of you know, know what this means? When a woman is crying, complaining, or criticizing, what she's really saying to her husband is, I need you. Now, men, how many of you knew that's exactly what she was saying? I had one brave soul raise his hand right there. He, he, he figured it out. No, we don't get that, do we? When our wife is crying or complaining or criticizing, what we do is we shut down. We leave. We go silent. We don't know what she's really saying. Once again, we are horrible at communicating. That's what we've got to learn. We've got to learn how to respond versus react. We've got to learn and quit being demanding and having the wrong demeanor and quit being driven because driven people run over people. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to understand what it means to be compassionate and kind and say those kind words and to not be so vague. Listen to me this morning. A vague solution is not a solution. Well, I thought you would. That's the... Those are the worst words to say. I thought you knew what I was thinking. Let me give you some seven, let me give you some principles this morning that I know work. Principles that I know work. These are quick. I hope to run through them quickly. The first thing that I know works is prayer. And the best thing that you can do is pray with your spouse. Pray for your spouse. When couples pray together, the divorce rate goes down to 1%. That's pretty good odds. It's kind of hard to get rid of somebody when you're praying for them at the same time, isn't it? Pray together. It's, it's not that hard. Just, just pray together. It doesn't have to be. We, we think prayer, well, this has got to be an hour long. Who said it needs to be an hour long? It could be two minutes long. The key is start praying. When you start praying, the prayers will become longer because you'll know how to pray for them. A lot of times, Diane, I ask her, how, do, how can I pray for you? Because I don't, I, I don't know. How can I pray for you? The second thing we can do is, is something we should be doing every Sunday. But the problem is, it's so hard for people to do what they know they should do. Go to church together. <laughs> it's as simple as getting up and going to church. And, and we say, why are churches dying? Because nobody's going to church anymore. Because we've made individualism an idol. I will just stay home and watch it on TV. Well, listen to me. How's that going to work? Okay? I had somebody tell me that one time. Well, we, we just, we're just going to watch it on television. Or we just, now, listen, I understand there's people that have to do that. And listen, if you're on vacation, you're traveling, that's great. I'm glad that you can do that. Technology is good. But my friends this morning, you need the power of the church. 
Churches, you can't, listen, you can't duplicate this at home. This is called the body of Christ. This is where you use your spiritual gifts that God has given you to make the church happen and to make the church healthy. Dr. Joey wouldn't have a marriage ministry if he didn't think what? Marriages need help. Marriages need to succeed. Marriages are important to God. Do church, does, does, if marriage matters to God, does the church matter to God? And the answer is yes. But more and more people are optioning out the place of worship. Go to church. It makes a difference. Listen to me. This morning, the, the, this is not a Christian statistic. It's a society st- statistic. 27% of less divorce happens in the world if couples go to church. <laughs> in some cases, 50%. That's pretty good odds. You want to have a, a stronger marriage? Go to church. The third thing is this. Be understanding. In fact, we get that question a lot in our marriage mentoring where we say couples come to us and the wife says, please help. Can you help me understand my husband? Or the wife will look at us and say, will you help, help me understand uh, my wife? And here's what I say. If, if I knew that, I would write a book and I would make millions. See, God made us different, didn't he? And that's what we try to share in our class. We try to share in our class, quit trying to understand and be understanding. Be understanding. Take time to listen. Listening is the language of love. And and when you give your spouse your time, you give your spouse the most valuable commodity that you and I have. It's called time. The fourth thing is this, show affection for your spouse. Show affection, love one another. Romans 12, 10 says, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. How do you rekindle lost love? How do you rekindle a love that was there and not there? How do you rekindle the affection once you felt that affection has gone? Well, you're going to have to do what it says in Revelation 2, 4 and 5. It says, the love you had at first is gone. Remember how far you have fallen. Return to me. Change the way you act and think and do what you did at first. That's simple. It's simple. Remember, return, repent, repeat. Remember, return, repent, repeat. That's the four simple solutions to this. Number five, be compassionate. Finally, of all, 1 Peter 3, 8, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Don't be misunderstanding through miscommunication. Misunderstanding through miscommunication is a door the devil uses to get spouses divided. What husbands and wives have to do is what? Commit themselves to keeping the door of misunderstanding through miscommunication. In other words, what are you doing to keep that one mind with your spouse? Are you having regular conversations? Number six, practice listening. In other words, write this down. 
listen to what is alive in your spouse. Or listening to what's alive in someone else. Watch this. The reason that Jesus had followers was what he had on the inside of himself was alive. John 1.4, the NIV says, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The reason that Jesus had followers is he spoke life into people. He was alive. Listen to me this morning. The reason that so many people are dead is they haven't come alive to Christ. And they don't have nothing to say. But us who are believers, who have the light of the gospel in our lives, we have something to say because what we say has hope. What I say has weight. And people want to hear it, don't they? Why do you think they come to us? The reason they come to us is because their way is not working. I love it when a young man, young woman, they find my office. I need help. It's not working. And we get to share with them what does work. God. The last one is this. Is my heart growing for God or is it shrinking? We get busy, don't we? We don't intend to, but we get busy. I call it, we get, a busy, we get sidetracked with those attractive distractions. I've learned that 15 people will be pulling at me to get me involved in what they're doing. And I need to say what? No. So that I can do what God has called me to do. We're so privileged today to have Jim and Carol Shores with us. They're going to come up on stage and they have what we call a sketch. It's very powerful because it's about our legacy and what we're leaving behind and what we do does matter and if what we do makes our life count would you give a nice Longdale welcome to Jim and Carol Thank you. Oh. what happened I don't know what are we doing beside the highway Ooh, I feel so bouncy do you Joe how'd you lose weight Oh, my word, my gut's gone. How'd that happen? Oh, Joe, look. Oh, honey, that's a bad accident. Oh, those poor people. Oh, I doubt they made it. Well, uh, shouldn't we do something? I mean, nobody's shown up yet. I mean, this could be our big moment. All right. I don't know if I remember CPR, but, but let's... Oh, my word. That is our big moment. Joe... That's us. That means that we're... Dead. That puts a new spin on things. How did this happen? Well, doesn't really matter now, does it? Uh, What? Are you blaming this on me? Honey, I blame the laws of physics. And like I said, doesn't really matter now. Well, if you hadn't been bickering at me... You're right. I never should have raised my voice because... In the end, what does it matter who forgot to pick up the dog food? You're right. But I do apologize for driving into a parked truck. I forgive you. That's a lot easier to say all of a sudden. And at least we made it. Made it where? Till death do us part. Where are you going? Well, up, I hope. I wasn't planning on dying today. I left the sprinkler on. I need to call the kids, the grandkids that need to know that we're going to... Joe, 
We've lived our lives. You're right. We have. Do you think we did it right? What? You worried you're not going to get into heaven? No, saved by grace. No, I know that part. I'm talking about us. How do you think we did? And, and I need to know, so tell me the truth. I think we came a long way from where we started. <laughs> Joe, you eat one more piece of that groom's cake. You're going to be sick. Oh, come on. It's so good. Come on, have another bite. Oh, no, I already ate two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you believe we got married? I wonder what it's going to be like. Marriage. Now, wait, wait, wait. Do I have chocolate on my face? Yes. Marriage is going to be awesome. You're going to make me gourmet meals every day. You're going to fill my, fill my tea glass when I shake it. <laughs> Okay, I'll deal with those two things, but the first one, that gourmet meals every day, are you serious? I was too, you just said that. <laughs> Look, I, those vows covered a lot of things, but I don't think that was one of the categories. I love you. And you know what? I am never going to stop seeing you. Why would you say that? Because when my parents split up, it's like they stopped seeing each other, but that's never going to happen with us. Well, of course not, because we really love each other. Right. So it's all going to work itself out. Right. And, well, that never happened. Oh, things got hard. Fast. Yes. Congratulations, Miss Fredericks. You are pregnant. Whoa, that was quick. Honey, what do you want for Christmas? I want you to surprise me, but make sure it's a surprise I like. Congratulations, Miss Fredericks. You have a baby girl. Oh, Joe, can you stay home with Megan this morning? I got to run into work for a meeting. I have a job too. Yeah, but mine earns more. Wow, really? You just said that. Oh, honey, we got to spend this with my parents here. Congratulations, Miss Fredericks. It's a baby boy. Joe, I'm not sure if this fits under love, honor, or cherish, but could you clean the baby vomit out of the car seat? I'm just saying, that's not how my mom made lasagna. Hers was good. Joe, you got to come to the emergency room. Dylan just jumped off the swings. He's got a concussion. When did I become a swim coach and a Cub Scout leader? Like, who am I anymore? Oh, honey, that was your dad. Your mom called. Your dad just had a heart attack. Congratulations, Miss Fredericks. You're having twins. Whoa, I'm having twins? Six people in a tent in the rain, and we all just had beans. It's gonna, <laughs> It's going to be a great family memory. That's what I love about you. You always see the bright side. Honey, I'm at the Great Eagle with Sam and Taylor. I got it all figure out. I figured out I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to become a sports writer. What do you think? I think midlife crisis can strike without warning, and you should probably come home. We need to save how much for their college? Wait, you bought a kayak? To what, rot in the garage? What were you thinking? Why you gotta be so critical? Like, who are you anymore? I've just told you this three times. Why don't you listen to me? Why is it the one thing I didn't do that's the one thing you focus on? You don't even see me anymore. What are you talking about? I see you every day. Joe, I've got cancer. What? I'm scared. What do we do? Um, there's this guy at work named, his name's Tom. He invited us if we wanted to go. I mean, if you felt comfortable. What are you talking about? Church. Church? Yeah. 
Hi, my name's Joe. It's my wife, Jeannie. And uh, what brings us here is... Um, I've got cancer. Breast cancer. Right. We're not really church people. No, no. But um, we heard that prayer can help. Yeah. So we're just looking for... Yeah, we're just looking for... We don't know what we're looking for. <laughs> hey, Joe, good to see you. You must be Jeannie. I'm Tom. I'm Sarah. Listen, we heard about your situation. I, well, see, I had cancer, breast cancer, but I got through it. Yeah. Now, we were just wondering if... We're wondering if maybe we could help. Well, it, well, it was hard, and it did a job on our marriage, but... There was this wonderful couple at this church we were going to. Well, they walked through it with us, and we were just wondering if maybe... We're wondering if maybe we could do the same thing with you, if you wanted. Well, those prayers didn't take. What do you mean the prayers didn't take? The doctor's office just called. My cancer markers are now through the roof. You're kidding Maybe God doesn't like me. No, God loves you. Remember, that's what Sarah was saying yesterday. Yeah, well, it doesn't feel like it. Well, maybe he's not done yet. You know, I was reading in one of the those scripture books that Tom was well, telling me wait, about. Wait, wait, you're reading the Bible? I'm kind of desperate, Jeannie. Anyway, reading that, I realized we don't just need healing. Like, we need him. We do? We do. What can I do? You mean to make coffee? Like I bought the really good well, stuff. No, the chemo. I can cure. What can I do? I don't know. Read to me. All right. Um, this is actually where I left off yesterday. So, and Israel said, surely the Lord has forsaken us. Great. Surely God has forgotten us. Can a mother forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the child she has born, though she may forget? I will not forget you. See, I have carved your name in the palm of my hands. Just stop there. What? I just need to take that in. Okay. And you read to me every day. I did. I prayed for you too. The most awkward prayers in the world. Oh, I didn't think they were awkward. I thought they were beautiful. Nope. I think the EMT drivers have figured out we're goners. Oh, wasn't that nice of them to take us out of the car? They're heading back for the stretchers. Joe, Joe, listen. The doctor's office called and the, the surgery, the chemo, the prayers... They worked. Right now, they said, right now, on the PET scan, there is no sign of it. What? You're kidding. <laughs> what? Oh, my word. Like, we got to go celebrate, yeah? <laughs> what do you want to do? I don't know. We're going to go to that Thai place you were talking about. Yeah. We're going to get, like, the biggest bowl of ice cream <laughs> in the world and, like, really good. Jeannie, you're going to live. Shouldn't we ask Tom and Sarah to come with us too? Yes, yes. I want to ask them how we could do this for somebody else. What? Yeah, I want to help somebody else how they've helped us. Oh, Joe, we're barely figuring this out for ourselves. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I mean, where would we be if Tom and Sarah hadn't had the guts to show up? 
Yeah. So I want to do for somebody else what they did for us. Are you talking about cancer? I'm talking about life. All right. And、uh, well, <clears throat> I think that was about the best decision we ever made. Oh, I agree with that. Oh, they're coming back with the stretchers. Oh, look at you, Joe. You look so dead. Well, I am. Oh, I just need to be near you one last time. You just look so fragile, gentle. I loved you, and I am so glad. Despite the fact I wanted to wring your neck a number of times, that we hung in there and made it work. You loved me well. <laughs> you helped. You helped me put God at the center, and go.、Oh, all the changes in you were the very heart of you. Just <laughs> do that. I was having a serious moment there. You could have given me a heart attack. You're already dead. <laughs> well, aren't you going to say anything to me? Why? You're standing right there. That body cooked a lot of meals for you. Half those gray hairs belong to you. Yes, ma'am. Jeannie, I can't do this. It's morbid. <laughs> I want to hear this. All right, <clears throat> Jeannie. I want to thank you for all that you did for me—the thousands of thankless chores and the ways that you believed in me when I couldn't believe in myself. For having character. Being beautiful, and I'm just really glad that you know you're not dead, dead. There. That was beautiful. You know what I wish for right now? What? Nothing. I got it all. <laughs> Me too. Oh, there they go. Bye bye. It was good. I don't think they really need to have all those lights going on like that. That's a little much, considering, don't you think? I think it looks festive. <laughs> well, I'm ready. Well, where are you going? Up with you. Now, how's this supposed to work? Are we supposed to meet him? Some is he coming to meet us? I、What? don't know. I've never done this before. <laughs> But you want to know what? What? I'm ready. Me too. Wonderful, wonderful message, Barry, Jim, and Carol. Thank you. You may be here, and let me just say this right at the very onset. Maybe you've been through a relational breakup, a divorce, and maybe you're feeling really bad about that. Great news is there's some great principles that we can learn in life, isn't there? And thank you. So I want to say to you very redemptively. You may not have put some of those principles in your first relationship or other relationship, but now you can. And if you're young enough, you're not married yet. There's some great things you can learn to go forward to understand about the success of relationships by putting 
Christ into your life and then putting those principles in. There's the big picture, and then there's also the little things underneath the picture that God gives to us. So it's a great day for that, and I'm blessed. Some of you may be here today, and you know there's some things in your marriage you saw and they came on the screen or when you watched Jim and Carol present what they presented, that you need to work on that. You say, you know what, that spoke to me. I'm going to be honest today. Maybe today during the time of response, you need to take your spouse's hand and just come forward and pray alone or with one of the pastors or deacons that's here. You see, none of us get it done perfectly, do we? And so we are here to help. One of the reasons we have, as Barry was saying, a a married adult ministry, because family is so important. It's so important we made a stretch and made that part of our philosophy of ministry. We're going to have this position. We're going to be putting this into everyday life. And so today, that may be your decision. Some of you are in this room, and you have someone, maybe your grown children, maybe your grandchild, that's married, and they're struggling. They're hurting. Or maybe they're just rolling on along, but you see Christ is not in their life. And they're going to hit that bump that Barry was talking about. The storm's coming. Doesn't look like it now, but I would say to you, in the course of life, God can get everyone's attention in some ways. In my own life, I found I had to just come to the end of myself. Friend, have you reached the end of yourself yet? Have you come to where you can be so transparent and honest that would tell you that everything, with all the knowledge I have, with everything I could possibly do, brought me to this day. My best thinking brought me here, and I'm not in a great place. That's where you can find Jesus Christ. He can make a difference in your life. First, by inviting him into your life. As Carol was saying, she knew about grace. That's why they were standing there, because grace is undeserved mercy, and that's what God did for us. I speak about Jesus because he's the only one and the only way that a person can get to go up to be with him forever. You see, going to heaven is not a matter of being good. Barry talked about a word up there called righteous, and to be perfectly righteous is something that no, no one is except for Jesus Christ the perfect God, sinless God, who took the sins of the world upon himself. And when he died on the cross by his grace, undeserved mercy, he paid for the sins of the world, bled, died, rose from the grave three days later, and offers eternal life as a gift. If you've not done that yet, that's the best basis to start your marriage right there because you'll have received unconditional love and unconditional mercy and unconditional forgiveness by Jesus. He is the only one that took care of the sin problem. Religions, your own subjective worldview, you can feel comfortable in it. But I would say to you, as I said last hour, the road sign that's pointing people to hell doesn't say hell, it says safety. And you may think that you are safe and you're okay. But I say to you, the God of the universe has provided your way to go to heaven. You may think that God may not be fair because he sends people to hell or that there even is a hell. But let me say this to you. If you're hearing these words now, God is fair because he's told you, you don't have to go there. And God is fair and he's right. But if you neglect his fairness, you neglect his grace. You'll have to answer for that. And you'll not go to hell because God will send you there. 
You will go there because you send yourself there because God's already provided your way not to be there and you rejected the gift. It's the basis for life and it's the basis for relationships since God created marriage. Today you can respond as pastors are coming forward right now and or deacons. Can respond to him whether you're here or listening some other place to his word. If you're one of our guests, we'd invite you to come as a candidate for membership. We're looking for people that want to be part of a place where you'll get support and care, but also where you can use your gifts to bless others. Part of the blessing in life you learn as a believer, it is this. It's in giving that you receive. And this is a place where you can give your gifts, your time, your resources to something that's bigger than you, bigger than me. And we watch God work in wonderful ways. Today, you may be here and perhaps college or high school age. And you've seen some things today that resonate with you because that's the type of person you want to marry. You saw that list of things. What I would ask my college students and single adults years ago is you want a person like that? You want someone that's dependable, someone that's trustworthy, someone that has some spiritual values in their life, someone where there's security, someone that's living for God and serving God. And I just write those things down and I'd flash it in their face and said, you know what? Is that you? Because if it's not you, why would God punish someone and bring them into your life that's like that when you're not like that? Why would he do it? You need to be that person. Now, before you ever married, you need to be that person, act like that person, and put those things into practice. Today, whatever your decision, whether you're coming up for prayer as a couple and want to pray with one of our pastors, we want to pray with you. This is not a place where we're judgmental. All of us up here had failed at different things in life. And in a lot of times in a marriage situation, many of us start out in the Braille system like Barry's talking about with the chinkling glass, right? We learn. We want to be with you in that process. We want to pray with you. We have this ministry because we care about it. And we'd love to pray with you. You might feel I want to just pray alone with my spouse. Come up and do that. Kneel at this altar and pray together. This is a time that's a serious time. Whatever your decision, this is the place where we want to be a blessing to you and help. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to come forward as God has already spoke truth into your life. He will bless the walk that you make today. Just stand.